Hi, and welcome to the Soul Rising Podcast. I'm Dana. During your time here, you will step into your soul through enlightened conversations, meditations, and stories about healing. I started my own journey on this path long ago by earning a master's degree in counseling, becoming certified in regression and Reiki, and doing countless hours of work to raise my own vibration. It is my hope that you will see yourself reflected in me and in my guests and find self-awareness or a healing method that will propel you further on your own path. It's my belief that we aren't just healing ourselves. We are also healing all the women who came before us and all who are yet to come. Join me every Tuesday to feel more in touch with the beautiful soul that you are. about 15 or 16 years old when I first started using oracle cards. But to be honest, tarot has always intimidated me. With me today are Heather Gaffney Darnell and Amber Silvermoon, who are self-proclaimed tarot enthusiasts, but I personally think that they are being very humble because they both seem like experts to me. Amber has over 18 years of reader experience and regularly reads at Lada Plantation and the Carolina Renaissance Festival, which are both located here in Charlotte. Heather is an intuitive reader, teacher, and energy healer. She first fell in love with tarot over 30 years ago and finds great purpose in using her empathy and intuition to assist others in experiencing healing and transformation. Over the course of our conversation, these ladies give me so much information about tarot, the history behind it, the dual meanings within cards, deck recommendations, symbolism, and so much more. Let's dive in. Well, let's just go ahead and start by just having you both introduce yourselves and whoever wants to go first can go first either way. So hi, I'm Heather Gaffney Darnell. Um, I am a tarot reader and I do healing work and I teach classes and have um, been reading cards since I was 15. So I have over 30 years of experience, mostly self-trained training in classes here and there, but I've been doing this for a long time. I don't consider myself to be a tarot expert. I consider myself to be a tarot enthusiast, and I'm in the Charlotte metro area, and I travel to different places from time to time to do parties and events, and I'm really happy to be here. I'm Amber Silvermoon. I've been living in Charlotte for nine years. I've been a tarot reader since I was about 16 have been in it for about 18, almost 20 years um, reading. I also do private readings as well as gigs where we go to parties and read for them. I read at the Renaissance Fair two years. That was a huge experience for me. <laughs> Many different people in a short period of time. Like Heather, I'm an enthusiast. I don't consider myself an expert. This is something that I'm currently doing on the side, but I'm going to hopefully make my main job in the near future. Amazing. I have to tell you guys a funny story. So I was probably, I mean, I was definitely my teens, probably 15 or so. The first time I kind of discovered Oracle cards and I bought a deck by Doreen Virtue. I think it was called Healing with the Angels. I still have it. I haven't used it in a long time, but I keep it for posterity reasons. But I thought, okay, well, these are cool. Let me kind of venture into tarot. So I bought a tarot deck 
and it didn't come with a guidebook. And I was like, what the heck is this stupid thing? <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't, you know, and this was before like the internet was really huge. I didn't think to, you know, try to learn how to use them. So I just pitched them. <laughs> and now I kind of wish that I hadn't because it would have been nice to keep them. But I just thought it was so funny that they didn't come with a, a deck or a, I mean a guidebook. And I guess part of the reason is because you're supposed to memorize those cards and you're supposed to learn them. Isn't that right? Maybe. No, yeah. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Okay. You okay. don't have to. You don't have to, but that's one of the reasons I picked up tarot is that it was so easy for me to just study them rather than rely on my intuition. I was young. I was like, I didn't know if it was my intuition, but it was easy for me to read for other people when I could just be like, this is what this card means and just lay it out for them like that rather than say, this is what my intuition says. So I found that a lot easier to do that with tarot, knowing all the symbolism and what each card means specifically. Okay. Awesome. That makes sense. So let's go back a little bit. Would you mind explaining just kind of the history of tarot? Where did it come from? How did it come to be as popular as it is now? So as much as people would like to think that tarot has this deep, ancient mystical history, it's based on a card game. It became popular in the mid-1400s in Italy, and you had basically Italian aristocracy. You know, and to go back in time a little bit more, Europeans found playing decks during the Crusades that were created by people in the Middle East. They're called Mamluk cards, Egyptian they're gilded, they're beautiful, they're works of art, and the crusaders brought them back to Europe, and the aristocracy was like, wow, these are really amazing, we want something like this for ourselves, so had, they had decks commissioned, and we, you had mentioned something about major arcana versus minor arcana, the major arcana are, were originally called the trumps or the triumphs, so they were allegorical as opposed to spiritual. They were supposed to tell a story. So what we now know as the Hierophant was the Pope because it was a Catholic society and your, your religious leadership was the Pope. There's some stories about the Popess and that there was a woman who was able to disguise herself as a man and made herself and made her way up through the ranks of the Catholic church and was made Pope. And what gave her away is that she actually had a lover and she gave birth and it kind of, you know, the gig was up, but she's included. Um, and then, you know, your fool was like the local vagabond or madman, somebody who just kind of lived off of his wits and lived in the street and was tattered and barefoot. And so these were things that you would see in your day to day and they were included in order to tell a story. It wasn't until the 1700s that the link between spirituality and the cards became a thing. There was a man by um, Jebelin who wrote a series of, there was a series of writings and it included his history of the tarot and he made the link between the cards in Egyptian iconography. There really is no technical connection, but it kind of took because I, I think this was a time because we had already entered an age of enlightenment. I believe that you had 
people who were very, very interested in digging deeper spiritually, and they started to connect dots that didn't really exist. And it was their own search for truth. And unfortunately, it has become misinformation. And we know this now. But at the time, I can see how that would happen. So he was the first one to put that out there. And there was a man by the name of Elliot, who I guess you would call you one of your first professional tarot readers who wrote a book on the cards and I could go on and on because it's a pretty deep rabbit hole. There's a lot of information there, but that's kind of like the short version of how they came to be. And as to their popularity, I think that divination has always been popular, especially in a Christian context where there was a belief that your life was already mapped out for you and you were subject to the will of God. And you kind of wanted to know what was coming. You wanted to know what was going to happen. You wanted a heads up to see how you can manage your life moving forward. And I, so I feel like divination, even the religious criticism of it was always pretty popular because people just want to know they, they want that power to of knowledge to know how to move forward with their lives. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that makes perfect sense. And the history is so fascinating that it started as a deck of cards. I mean, that, that makes sense that it would have just evolved from that and to just tell a story. That's fascinating to me too. Just, and what's ironic, I was thinking as you were talking that maybe the story that they were hearing was actually about them and they just didn't even realize, you know, like it was a reading without them even knowing. Do you think that was possible? Part of my reading suggests that that's exactly what happened, that they would lay out cards and it started to take on kind of a familiarity, maybe a little too close to home. So interesting. that's my my Reader's Digest version of tarot history. (laughs) Yeah, that's perfect. So how is a tarot deck laid out? I know that there's the major and the minor arcana is that how you pronounce it or is it arcana arcana i I like using arcana okay and so what does that mean how is it arranged the major arcana um which she's gone through the history but i you know have the stories of the fool so the major arcana is 22 cards starting with zero and going up to 21 so it starts with the fool at zero and it's it ends with the world at 21 and you go through all that it's the major arcana cards are always kind of a, a, a powerful card when I do a reading. It's something that's really significant, really meaningful. Whereas the minor arcana cards, like a, a deck of 52 cards, there's going to be the suits, um, which all have their own separate meanings, and there's going to be the face cards as well, which have their meanings. But they still kind of play more of a minor part, which it's a minor. <laughs> um, all of it uses to tell the story. With my major arcana, I always reference the journey of the fool because it starts with the fool descending from heaven, as many of us believe that we do, and then going through the earthly lessons that he needs to learn in order to ascend back to heaven, which is where it ends with the world card. So I always like to link my journey of the fool story along with my major arcana, um, and it helps people learn the lessons they need to learn in this lifetime. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think it also mimics the idea that life is a spiral, that we can circle through this, you know, over and over again. And we come back each time through each pass with higher perspective and and more learning and more awareness. So I think that's really neat that it's set up that way. What is the difference between a tarot deck and an oracle deck? 
I would say that all tarot decks are oracle decks and not all oracle decks are tarot decks because the tarot deck almost consistently is that 78 cards with the major and minor arcana the oracle cards i think are they're similar in that they're archetypal that they give you aspects of emotion and psychology and spirit in our day-to-day lives so I think that's, to me, that's the pretty much the biggest difference. Also, I would say that divination cards or oracle cards have more of a meditative and self-growth edge to them. I think that because tarot has traditionally been used so much for actual divination and trying to prophesize the future, that there's kind of that energy over them if you will i'm trying to kind of break that because i feel like it's tool it's a tool to help you change your life ultimately like the oracle cards but i think because there's a history of that divination and wanting to know about your future that people look to tarot oh there's an opinion that tarot is more for fortune telling as opposed to a spiritual and personal growth So would you say that that's, I mean, that's definitely a misconception. It sounds like something that you've run into. What are, for both of you, maybe what are some of the misconceptions that have come up for you about how the tarot is used? Because I think a lot of people think that it's dangerous or that it's, you know what I mean? They have a false view of it. So what have you both experienced in that realm? Well, like like Heather said, people tend to think of it as as a fortune telling, like this is what's going to happen in the future for me. And often I've had someone complain that I didn't talk about a tall, dark, and handsome man in her future or children that she was going to have. And I was like, that's not in the cards for you. It's a misconception that I'm going to tell you something that you saw on TV. Probably is one of the problems we have is people see stuff on TV and think this is going to tell me my exact future. It's no, we're going to show you some paths that you can take. And the choice is ultimately up to them. It's one of the misconceptions that I have. <laughs> mm-hmm. I I run into the same thing that people think that the outcome that they're looking at is fixed and written in stone when it's really not. What it's doing is giving you information to shift and change some things or to work around the things that you can't change, especially people and situations that you personally have no control over. I mean, I know that there's the idea that they're that they have a connection with things that are evil or dark i've not really run into that too much in my lifetime but i'm sure there are people that think that that's what they are i've seen that a lot when uh working at places like the ren fair people come through we live in carolina so (laughs) there's a lot of people who are very religious and especially when i have a deck with the devil card people that as something dark, something that's not supposed to happen. You're not supposed to know the future. You're not supposed to know God's plan. And that's his, one of the misconceptions people have is that we're somehow, you know, evil and working with this or working with the devil or something. And I have run into that. I've had people come up to my booth at Renaissance Fair trying to save our souls. And I'm like, it's, it's just here. We're here for entertainment. And that was what we kind of tell to them. But 
the, the cards, at least the spreads that most of us do, don't just talk about the future. They talk about the past and the present and your past affects your, your present and will affect your future. So that misconception that we're just going to tell you about your future. I'm like, no, I'm going to tell you about what your past is and how it's going to affect your future if you don't change how you are now. Exactly. I can kind of show you the different timelines that are available to you. You know, I mean, I think we have so many different choices in life and we can take this whatever way we want. And like you said, the cards can just kind of show you what way you might be headed and you can, you have total power to change anything. This is not set in stone. I mean, I personally believe in free will. And I feel like it almost, I think that looking at the past is important to see its influence on the present. But I'm very clear with clients that we're looking at your present with a potential future, with a potential outcome, that this is kind of the least path of resistance based on your actions and behaviors now. And that this is subject to change at your will. That makes perfect sense. And so kind of along with that, Amber, you said something earlier that I wanted to go back and ask you about. You were talking about how, you know, you like to put out there kind of the meaning of the card. So how do you juggle kind of the meaning of the card that comes up and your intuition about what it means for that person? Because I know I've drawn cards for myself and if I didn't know what was going on in my life, it might not make any sense. So how do you kind of use both of those pieces in giving a reading? That took years of practice. Um, like I said, I started off not trusting my intuition, so I read the cards, and it was the people's response that was like, oh, that's that's exactly right. And I, like I said, I read so many people in groups that come and go in literally five-minute readings that um, people will sit down, they'll I don't know them and they, they look at me like I'm stalking them. Um, but I'm like, I'm reading your cards. This is what your card says. And I kind of just learned over time to just relax, read the cards as I see them. But each card has so much symbolism in each card that like, for example, we, we were discussing the eight of swords, Heather and I one day and how one of her clients pointed out that she's standing in a puddle of water and neither one of us had ever noticed that. Because you can look at these cards a hundred times over and then see something new with a with a person that you're reading. And what pops out of the cards is what I end up using my intuition. My intuition says, look at this, there's a snake in the corner. Oh, I see a snake. That means, you know, you're shedding your skin, you're changing, it's healing, whatever that comes through. So I, I do go off the symbolism of each card and the location that it's in, as well as following my intuition. It's, it's, a, it's a little balancing act, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Heather? How do you balance that? You know, it changes from client to client. There's some people that are really wide open and the information just kind of comes in very easily and very, there's like a flow and a grace to it. And then you occasionally run to those pe run into those people that are slammed shut. Like they're a closed door and you can't get through and you can rely on the symbolism and the cards and you had asked about that you have to you know do you have to memorize the cards and the truth is no you really don't that you can tell the story from all the detail like amber was just talking about and be able to tell a story from the details that are in that card and give that person the information that they need and not even have to tap into your intuition or 
memorize the meanings of the cards and there are techniques to use around that and i've you know i'm the middle ground that i use both depending on who i've got in front of me and then you know occasionally you run into that person that's just had a bad day and you don't necessarily want to take you know i'm fairly empathic so i don't want to take that energy on so i'll concentrate on the cards and keep their energy out so that way i'm not becoming overloaded with what's happening in front of me so it's just it's just kind of a balancing act and really trusting your instincts and trusting that inner knowledge that of which way to go with the reading and paying attention to the information that's coming through and like i said it's like telling a story you're telling a story to the person about themselves do you find that it's harder or easier to do readings for people that you know personally? My mother used to have me give her readings and she gets so excited. And then one day she looks at me and she goes, how come my readings are always happy and content? I'm like, cause that's what I want you to be. <laughs> and it's, it, it's hard to tell, you know, when she's having it and I, you know, I finally, she caught me. So I gave up and I let her in and I started seeing some of the negative in my mother's life. And I don't want to see the negative in my mother's life. She's mm -hmm. my mom. She used to be happy and content at all times. So I find it harder to read for other people because I can block and 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 I can block myself and my own intuition and, and block them off because I just don't want to know. And my father refuses to ever get a reading from me because I think he feels kind of the same ways. That's my daughter and that's none of her business. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, it's kind of like how doctors should not really treat their family members that sometimes we're just way too close to the situation and it's hard to be fully objective and we don't like giving back like amber said we don't like giving bad news to people that we love unless you know i do have a few friends that they're they're that that, that kind of friend that i can look at them and go oh no this is what's up and they're totally fine with it but there are some people where i'm like no i can't i can't do this for you too too close too too close yeah especially yeah. if you're like really emotionally involved or linked to that person like a spouse or a family member yeah that makes a lot of sense and what about some of those cards that you know like the devil card that maybe have a connotation of being negative and i know there's a lot of tarot decks out there who have tried to kind of spin those meanings and make all of the cards positive but how do you kind of deliver maybe the meaning of a more difficult card to hear okay so you mentioned the double card so he looks like a, in the writer weight he looks kind of like a caricature like he's not actually supposed to be taken seriously that there's something very contrived about his appearance even though he's monstrous and then you have these two human beings in front of him a man and a woman it's a reflection of the of the lover's card and they have animalistic kind of features and they're chained so there's this idea that these people are bound to the devil and they're bound to their vices and they're bound to their habits and they're bound to um, their animal nature and they're not acting from their spiritual nature and what's really important to pay it and you i almost find this consistently throughout decks that there's some element that tells you that the person that's bound to the devil or the double the substitute for the devil they can get out the chains are loose enough to pull off over their heads 
that they're not, they're only as stuck as they think that they are. That's some huge symbolism in that card, right? <laughs> right. You know, I see it come up for bad jobs, bad relationships, this idea that we're, we have to stay in negative consequences because we live in a world that says that you have to do that. And the card is actually telling you, no, you really don't. You really, really don't. You're, you're really only as stuck as you think that you are. Mm-hmm. And then the tower, the tower, you know, represents, you know, it's catastrophic. It's destruction. It's a breaking down of old form. It's a breaking down of structures, but it's also a breaking down of old forms and transmutation and transformation and you've got a couple of choices here you can be in resistance and it will cause you a lot of pain or you can ride the discomfort and see where it takes you and learn how to adjust in the change like how is it changing you how is it making you a stronger and different person well and with the tower card i always say that at the bottom of the tower is usually a a rock or a mountain and that's your base and that's not going to change no matter what happens around you if it feels like the world's falling down there's still you and you are not going to go anywhere unless you want to change and build up from this new new place that you're going to be at what about the hanged man what does that card symbolize i just wrote about the hanged man oh you did yes 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 the hanged man he looks uncomfortable because he's hanging from one foot. If you look at his face, there's a state of grace going on. He, he looks very peaceful. He looks very resigned to what's happening at the time. And I really think that this is an important card for what's been happening with the world right now, because it's a shift of perspective. He's on his head, so he has to look at the world differently. And there are elements of sacrifice, sacrificing something or ourselves or a part of ourselves for the good of all. In in this case, it's, you know, important things just to keep people safe. But there is a sense of sacrifice, but there's also that sense of grace that this is temporary. And again, we have a choice about who we want to be in this situation it can, we can make it a limbo state and we can feel stagnated and stuck and feel like we can't go anywhere and let it make it stir crazy. Or we can be resourceful and be right where we are and learn to shift within that. And here's the other thing that I feel like as a culture, we are very addicted to stimulus. We need to go out. We need to, we need to go to restaurants and be with our friends and have our phones and have our TVs and have movies. And like, we're used to doing all the time. This is a card telling you to slow your roll, be still, be with yourself. That may be a huge part of your growth and your evolution as a human being or as a spiritual being is to just sit still with your stuff and your emotions because there are a lot of people that I know where their stuff is floating to the surface in meditations and dreams their trauma old memories things that have gone unprocessed revisiting things that had been processed I mean it's it's been tough but it it's like there's this call to just deal with your stuff and be learn to be in your own company 
I mean, the symbolism on these cards is, it's really incredible if you really look into it. I mean, they really have a lot of depth. But what about maybe some of the more, you know, quote unquote, positive cards? Because I think the the downside of that could be that people could get a little too confident maybe in like how great things are going for them. So, you know, tell me about a few of the most, some of the more positively perceived cards and what they mean. Often what comes up with positively perceived would be the lover's card, especially with people who are trying to seek romance of some kind. And sometimes with that, it's not that I'm predicting a lover for you. It's that I need you to love yourself and learn to love what's already around you rather than seeking someone else out. And a lot of times people would sit down and ask me about relationships and I'm like, well, you need to love yourself first. And the lover's card though, is a man and a woman as lovers everyone has that masculine and feminine energy like with the lover's card like with the devil's card it's not necessarily a man and a woman it's it's one person and you got to balance those both out as well yeah that's really interesting i think all the cards are positive in their own way like we talked about negative cards those are misconceptions they're not necessarily negative they're just about growth like with the death card how many people are terrified of that it's like well this means change is coming and if change is what you want in your life then this is a very positive card to have They just might not realize it at the time because they don't know. (laughs) That makes a lot of sense. And then you you have like the Empress card and she's regal and she's beautiful and she's obviously wealthy and she is like the vision of abundance. And she is a symbol of abundance and birth and family and hearth and a birth of ideas and manifestation. But too much mother energy is stifling and stagnating and smothering so i choose to see the cards as being kind of ambiguous and depending what cards surround you like let's say hypothetically i do a reading and i have the empress card come up but it comes up with the four of of pentacles four pentacles can be about harvesting your nuts but it can also be about avarice and greed and holding too hard onto your sense of safety so it may be saying something about that empress and saying that you know okay yeah sure you're abundant sure you're comfortable but maybe you're just a little too comfortable yeah you know you guys are really helping me to see these cards kind of each card has their own individual spectrum on it that we have polarities within everything in life and each individual card in the tarot has its own spectrum isn't that right that you can once again you can take each card and you have a choice of which way you want to interpret it or or follow it uh, pretty much a lot of the, the white books out there will have reversed meanings and the reverse is usually the opposite of the forward meaning i don't personally read reversed because i know that I know what both meanings are, but just because that card fell in reverse, if I didn't reverse it, I might read it like, hey, this is kind of going to come in a different way. But if I see that they're mixing the cards up and they reversed it themselves, and it's like, I just kind of turn all the cards back around because I'm going to read through my intuition as to whether it's a positive or negative, depending on the surrounding cards as well. So a lot of books will show reversed meanings and it's the exact opposite of the forward meaning usually. So it's, it's normal <laughs> in a tarot deck to have both, both meanings in there. Right. It, but what's funny is that I read reversals, but they usually turn up as 
there's some timing involved that you want a thing to happen you want a thing to happen but it's not time for it to happen yet so it's still sitting on its head and then how many people do we know that sit on their power and don't access it and reversals will show up as somebody just sitting on their creativity sitting on their mental power sitting on their capacity to function in the world that i see that happen a lot and in some cases you know there's this belief that all reversals are negative but there are a few cards where the meaning actually takes some of the sting off of the upright interpretation so it may be that you're actually you know you were in this state of pain or trouble or chaos and you're actually finally moving past it hmm. as you both were talking i was thinking too like you can compare this to astrology sort of in the retrogrades, you know, that each planet or each sign has its quote unquote, like forward meaning. And then it, when it goes, you know, in retrograde, it kind of turns inward a little bit that, I don't know, I was just like feeling about that comparison kind of there as you were talking. I was thinking um, Mercury in retrograde is, I mean, people complain about communication is difficult while Mercury, Mercury's in retrograde, but Mercury's my planet. So when Mercury's in retrograde, sometimes it's bad, but sometimes it's actually really good for me and things actually go my way and communication's a lot better. I'm able to get something out. So again, there's that reversal is not necessarily a negative thing. Sometimes it's a positive. Yeah. And of course, when things are hard for us, we are learning and growing. And so that is always the benefit of a difficult situation, no matter what. You know, I really think these cards, at least for me and my relationship to Oracle cards, I don't have a ton of experience with tarot, which is why I wanted to interview you both. I've, I've used Oracle cards far and away more often, and not that they're hugely different, but I think that my personal healing kind of experience with it is that it's so wildly validating for me you know, to feel a certain way in my life and then to pull a card and to say like, oh my gosh, obviously this is universal enough to be written in a card or described in a card by others, you know, and it, it helps you to not feel so alone. So I'd love to hear both of you kind of share something about how these cards have helped heal you because you're drawn to them for a reason and I'm sure they've helped you in numerous ways. So I'd love to hear about that from each of you if you are open to it. So for me, my tarot cards were, were definitely part of a tool of growing up and they, they helped me make friends and all that fun stuff. But outside of, of college and coming here to Charlotte where um, I met most of my mentors, such as Heather, I came to rely on my cards. I do my own readings as well. My husband's also been known to pull a few cards before he goes to work if he feels he needs to reset himself or set himself up for the day. He has Oracle cards, so he does prefer to pull an Oracle card, but I've come downstairs and seen three cards laid out and I'll look at them and I'll read them because I can't help myself. But I'm like, what's going on today, babe? And he's just like, I just needed to set some intentions. And that's what they can be used for too, is take a card. Like you want a new perspective on things. You can take the hangman and think, how can I be more like the hangman today? How can I take a new perspective and, and go from there of just using that individual card, especially with my major arcana cards. But for me, Personally, I've been um, struggling with infertility for about four years now, and I'll go to my cards and be like, am I pregnant? And no. <laughs> I'm like, am I going to be pregnant? And they're like, no, you, you're rushing into something. It's not time for this yet. You need to focus on this instead. I don't want to hear that. 
but my cards are telling me what is what the, the truth is and i've had to come to accept that until i follow the path that i'm meant to be on right now i can't seek the path that i want and as as much as i hate getting those readings where they're not giving me what i what i want and what they want them to say i also feel that in knowing that they say it's not time yet is not telling me no I'm not going to be a mother. It's saying that you just need to take it slow. It's going to happen in its own time, but you're, you're trying to rush through something. And I think that spiritually helps me to be like, okay, it's not like God's turned his back on me or anything. It's just, everything's going to happen in its time. And I'm going to focus on this other thing to help me get through this time where I'm wanting to be a mom, but I'm going to focus on my reader work instead and help other people. And I have seen that other people healing from my readings as well. I, I feel both the personal connection and the need to help others heal and move forward in their lives. Thank you for sharing that because I know a lot of people are struggling with infertility and I'm, I'm so sorry that you are facing that. And, you know, I think it's beautiful though, that you have these cards to give you the reassurance and because so many people don't have that, but I think it's a beautiful way to use them for yourself. So thank you for sharing that. So for me, I, I see the cards as being very archetypal, like really Jungian. And I think that it has helped me face up to certain facets of myself, you know, the, the good and the challenging it's helped me with shadow work. I think because I can sit back and see like all aspects of myself, it helps me to see aspects in other people. Like I can, like I can watch somebody and see what card they're acting out in the moment. Like I can see the card in my head and I think it's helped me understand people uh, generally, not just when they're sitting in front of me doing a reading. So I think that it's helped me have compassion for myself and my own misgivings and my own errors and my own mistakes. And it helps me to see it in others and that this tool truly can be a tool for helping and healing because it doesn't just focus on the things that are pretty and loving and joyful about life. It focuses on the, also focuses on the things that are hard and difficult and ugly and gritty because that's life. You know, I can do a reading for myself or somebody else and something gritty or ugly turns up and it's like, okay, you're making mistakes, but guess what? Everybody else does. It's just a thing. And we get to change and transform for that, from that. And you wouldn't believe how many times I see myself in somebody else's reading. Mm. Like the message that I get for the other person is meant for me too. I'm like, oh, okay, I got a message for you. Apparently it's for both of us. So we both need to listen up and I let myself be a mouthpiece for whatever needs to come through. So it's, yeah, it's changed my life. And it's part of the reason why I love it so much. That's beautiful. And that, um, what a gift to be able to see yourself in another person and for them to see themselves in you. And then you two can kind of work through that card together in right. the reading, right? <laughs> There are moments that where that's happened, yes. How do you decide how to organize your cards when you do a reading? What sort of spreads do you use? That kind of thing. I know Heather tends to go for a three-card spread, and she gets to talk more about that, but I tend to default to the Celtic Cross, which is one of the first spreads I learned. It was in my first tarot book, and 
I, I get a lot of grief for doing that because like I said, when, when you're at a party and you're only allowed so much time with people and you're trying to get to the next person, the next person, next person, it's a 10 card spread. It's long. And I've managed to narrow it down and get it in that, that four or five minutes that I have with these people and get the entire reading done, mostly by taking out the dramatics, so flipping over the cards. They're all just laid out as they should be. Um, but I love doing that particular spread because it gives me a really good insight to their past, to their personality, and where their path is leading them. And uh, like I said, that the more I know about them, the more I feel I can help them go towards the correct path and what the cards are trying to say to them um, and be able to reference back to that. And often I'll end in an Oracle card just to help confirm everything that I've said in the spread because the Oracle cards usually back up one or two of the points I was trying to make. If I'm doing a long reading, I'll default to the 10 card, the Celtic cross spread. But when doing short readings, especially at a party, um, I'll start with a three card, past, present, future. And then I use two clarifiers, the energy around them and the energy beneath them. So whatever, you know, situations around them, like work and home, and then beneath them, what's anchoring them at this time. So it's almost like an abbreviation on the 10 card spread. Um, I default to that first because you can actually give a great deal of information off of one card. Like you can tell a lot about a person from one card, but you know, three is better because it, you know, this is where you were and this is how it's influencing you now. And this is where it's taking you. But man, there are, there are so many readings for all kinds of things for the holidays, you know, the equinoxes and the, and the solstices and so you know analyzing what are what am i growing at this time what am i harvesting at this time what am i releasing at this time sometimes i'll do like a whole wheel wheel of the year and i'll start at a person's birthday and we'll do it month by month or i'll do it quarterly with a like an anchoring card in the center i do have a book called 365 days of tarot and there's a new spread for every single day with a story book and I remember when I took a, a basic tarot class when I was in my early 20s, she had us make up our own spread and then explain where, what the position of each card was. And I, I enjoyed doing that too. So really the spreads are, can, can be subject to whatever you need it to be. There's just, like I said, the popular ones is the Celtic cross, the three card spread. But there's a spread for pretty much any possible scenario you have out there. And when we talk about healing or needing something specific for yourself if you're playing with your own deck feel free to to look at other spreads for what you think is going to help you there are healing spreads out there april fool's day they told me to take out the fool card and put it in the center and then put nine cards around it and i did an april fool's day spread which was really interesting to me and told me some stuff that i didn't quite realize <laughs> so that's fun yeah and, and again it's, it's a book 365 days of tarot and sometimes I just open it up and go what's the tarot today and it's it's a good way to play with them it's a good way to get in touch with your intuition and if you need something specific it's those spreads can be a good tool for that that's really fun that's a great resource I'm gonna have to look for that book <laughs> I'd love to know both of your favorite decks <laughs> so oh what my. decks do you love the most it can be a couple it doesn't have to just be one <laughs> Oh goodness. 
do I have a favorite? I have the Druid Circle deck is is my favorite deck. And um, it's obviously from the name goes more towards the Druid things rather than the Christian aspects of things. There is no devil card. It, there's a rebirth card instead of a death card, which I really love that. So it's just got, it's kind of shifted things more towards the spiritual earthy stuff. And I, I'm a tree hugging dirt worshiper and I'm proud of it. So I love that earthy stuff rather than, um, you know, turning towards the, the Christian version of things like the Rider Waite does, which is kind of a backup basic deck. But my other favorite deck is my Everyday Witch deck, which is, it's got cats on it and broomsticks. And the devil card is a, a man in a, a cheesy devil outfit with the mustache and the goatee and the cape and he's handing ice cream to the woman and a bag of money to the man and I always prefer that devil card to any other because it's just showing the temptation you know tempted by sweets tempted by money and he's tempting this young couple sitting on a bench and just I'm like that's that's what temptation is it's just that everyday temptation that's what the devil is it's not this dark being under the world it's just that fighting your human instinct so I have a few. My favorite one is the Handel deck, H-E-I-N-D-L. I like it because it speaks to different different mythologies and it incorporates things like the I Ching and Germanic runes and your pentacles are stones instead of pentacles and they are related to cardinal directions so and then you have um hindu mythology and you have northern european mythology and american indigenous mythology trying to remember what else oh egyptian egyptian mythology like it, it covers a lot it's multicultural and i really love that and it doesn't pull any punches it's pretty like how when you want some really direct and deep answers but my two other favorites one of them is the halloween deck that uses like fun halloween images like your emperor is frankenstein and your empress is the bride of frankenstein and cups are ghosts and pumpkin and pentacles are pumpkins and just you know, things like that it's just a fun deck for that time of year and the housewives tarot and housewives tarot is 1950s iconography and it's amazing you need to you just when you have a moment look it up because it's just too much fun like the double card is a devil's food cake (laughs) and it has like arms like lay you know these graceful women's arms and there's like a martini in one hand and a cigarette in the other she's wearing like high heels and it it's showing like all of these temptations surrounding the cake the devil cake the devil's food cake like the king of cups looks like dean martin (laughs) it's 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 just great fun it's great fun and interestingly enough i get really accurate readings because i think it disarms people that it helps them kind of lower their their walls because it's just you know it's fun and people are more open and you can get more information for them yeah i didn't know those existed those are so fun how neat and the box is like a recipe box oh my gosh how cute it's amazing that's awesome (laughs) there's a deck for everyone out there and 
it's really personal preference on what decks you know you, you enjoy or like and if you want to go out and get your own deck if any of your listeners want to go out and get their own deck don't worry about that old myth if someone has to buy it for you go pick out something that you think you're going to enjoy and i would recommend not doing internet if you could avoid it because that way you can hold in touch and see what you're getting yourself into i have returned a deck to barnes noble because it just didn't speak to me but i know there's also a there's a zombie tarot deck out there which I don't personally relate to, but I know some people who, who just love that deck. And so. it's hilarious. <laughs> it's funny. It is. It's funny. I, I just can't take it seriously. I can't read that deck. But again, <laughs> everyone has their own deck out there for them. And, you know, I, I tell people you can start with the writer weight if you're trying a basic, but ultimately get something that speaks to you because it's your deck. We have several shops in the area that you can buy they have a pretty good selection and if they don't have it, they're usually pretty good about buying them, you know, ordering them for you. Yeah, that's great. Go with what's calling to you, you know, mm -hmm. are you both okay if I draw a card for, for you guys and see what comes up? Absolutely. I have the goddess power Oracle by Colette Baron Reed. And so let's see what goddess we get. Okay. I don't know how, oh, I'm going to mispronounce her name. Yeah. Sarah's body. Sarah's body. Okay. So it's mass. It's the mastery card number 44. And I'm just going to read directly from the guidebook. This says, are you someone who begins things with great enthusiasm, but when you realize the scope of the situation, you move on to something else. Could it be you're dealing with someone like this? Ambivalence is something to be careful of at this time, as you recognize you need more knowledge and energy than what you have to move forward competently. The goddess Saraswati reminds you that there are no shortcuts on this journey, and partial knowledge does not make you a master. In fact, your alignment task is to stop working in a scattered way. It's time for some deep diving into the subject of your inquiry to really get a command of the terrain. Offer the commitment of your time and energy, and you will feel the surge of power as you move into a more masterful role in all areas of your life. Stick with it. Keep learning and keep practicing your craft, your heart commitment, your meditation, and your self-expression. Stay present to it all, and you will be glad you did. I think that's perfect for the tarot, that you have to practice it. You have to use it. You have to really dive deep and learn it. I can't speak for Amber, but a couple of years ago, um, my spiritual life took a complete, a completely different turn into something more traditional and with a deeper foundation of knowledge. And I've been treating all the aspects of my life like that, including tarot. So there is actually a tarot school on online that has been around for a very, very long time. It's, it has, it's very reputable. It's, it, and they offer um, certification and like your card just said, it's no shortcuts. Like you have to write papers and you have to. So I've stepped onto that to deepen my own practice with tarot because like I said, I'm an enthusiast. I wouldn't consider myself to be an expert, even though I may know more than a lot of people, but I know people that are completely intimidating because they know the history and they read French and Latin and they have gone down rabbit holes that I've not even begun to embark on. So it, 
deepening my practice right now is really important to me. So it's completely in alignment with where I am right now. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Does it resonate with you as well, Amber? Yes, it does. Lots of that starting things that you're not sure you can, uh, can finish. Um, <laughs> that's just a habit. My husband and I both can, uh, can adhere to, but when it comes to the tarot and as I said, it's a part-time gig right now, but I was trying to turn it into something full-time and I had, uh, I, w- I was on that path. We had a tarot class lined up at the bag lady for five weeks, Heather and I, and I had a gig every weekend scheduled in, in April and May Same. and then mm-hmm. the pandemic happened and everything got canceled and shut down. And it was, it was really hard for me to put so much effort and work into building up this business just to have it completely stop with all the other entertainment business out there. And, you know, it, and some of that like um, got canceled altogether. Some of it just got postponed. We'll, we'll have to wait and see, but Definitely something that I've been trying to do is build this up and create a, a space for myself in this community. And it's just kind of disappointing what, what happened with the COVID, but hopefully I can hop back up into that and put that work back in once everything opens back up and get back to where I was. So yeah, I definitely resonate with that card. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't want people to be intimidated by it. Mm. I think a lot of people are intimidated by like, oh, I've got to do all this memorization. When, you know, I know people that use it purely intuitively. And I know people that read right off the top of the cards. They use no intuition whatsoever. And both are accurate. Both are amazing readers. I think it's like anything. You have to kind of figure out what method is good for you. I think I've really taken this dive into the historical aspect of the tarot rather than the esoteric. I mean, the esoteric aspect is very interesting to me and there's a lot of good stuff there. But when we look at it allegorically and from a place of storytelling, it means that the cards can be whatever we need them to be. So I think that's why we have so many versions of them that there are there are mythologies and symbolism and color and number and stories that mean more to us personally than they may mean to anybody else and while the rider weight or the even the marseille cards or the the Shvorza visconti cards which are one of the original decks from the 1400s um i feel no personal connection to the pope because I'm not Catholic. I've never been Catholic. But the idea of a hierophant, the idea of a religious or a spiritual leader that connects everything together makes a lot more sense to me. Um, in the, we were talking about the housewives tarot. It's a radio. The hierophant is a radio. So the radio in the mid fifties, before everybody got televisions, the, when you wanted news, when you wanted to connect with others, you sat around the radio and you listened. So it's about that power of connection. So, you know, the tarot, the tarot gets to be whatever we need for it to be. I feel like it helps to have that foundation of knowledge before you really embark on it. I love that you point that out because I think it's important to keep it accessible for people, but to also know that if you, if you want to encompass it, that it can be a deep dive if you really want to, but mm-hmm. 
that it's accessible for everyone. I love that. So if anyone listening wants to reach out to either of you and work with you, where can you be found? Where are maybe your websites or just your social media handles that they can find you? I, my website is the phoenixnest-healing.com and I'm under the Phoenix Nest on Facebook and the Phoenix Nest underscore healing on Instagram. And I can be emailed at phoenix.nest.healing at gmail.com. On Facebook, I am in fact just Silver Moon. Um, Link to that is my Charlotte Spiritual Readers page. If anyone were to contact me, the easiest way to do that is at charlottereaders at outlook.com. That's how I get most of my my clients. They just go ahead and I, I hand out cards usually. So everyone's got my email or my, my work phone number. So I've been contacted through my, my website and through the email. It's the best way to get a hold of me. Okay, perfect. Thank you both so much for being here, for sharing all of your knowledge and your information and sharing your personal stories um, as well. I just really appreciate your openness and just all of your light and your information. So thank you both for being here. Well, thank you for having us. This is fun. I hope you found information, clarity, or inspiration that you'll take with you today and use in your everyday life. If you enjoy my show, the biggest compliment you could give would be sharing it with your friends, subscribing, rating, and reviewing it on whatever device you use to listen. Visit me at thesoulrisingpodcast.com or at the underscore soul rising podcast on Instagram and Facebook. A huge thank you to Purple Planet for the music used in this episode. See you next time.